Let's read John 15, verses 1 through 10. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. I'm going to title this text that will be in probably for the next two weeks, Created to Bear Fruit. Created to Bear Fruit. Now, immediately you're going to see where I'm going when I ask this question, but, but the question that I want us to ask tonight is why were we created? Why has God put you on the earth? Why do you exist? Why are you created? Now, we toss that question around a lot, and the typical answer that we respond to that question with is that you and I were created to glorify God. We were created to bring God glory. That's absolutely a true statement. Scripture says that you and I are created to bring God glory. But the question that I want to ask you is how exactly do we bring glory to God? And we know that you're supposed to, that's why you exist, is to glorify God. But how exactly do you do that? Well, Jesus, in John chapter 15 speaks to the fact that the way that you bring God glory is by, the term that Jesus uses, is by bearing fruit. Jesus is using imagery. He's using terminology here. He's imagining that that everyone who claims Christ is, is, is is a part of a grapevine in a vineyard. And he's saying that those that are actually a part of that vine... Those are the ones who bear fruit. In other words, there's external evidence that that person is actually a follower of Jesus. 
And what he says, draw your attention to verse 8. Why were we created? To bring God glory. Jesus says in verse 8, by this my Father is glorified. How do I bring God glory? By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. How do you bring God glory? What Jesus is going to indicate is the way that you bring God glory is actually by your works. That what you do, your works, your acts, bring God glory if they testify to the fact that you are actually a follower of Jesus. That is what brings God glory. We didn't get here yet tonight, but draw your attention just to bring this full circle into verse 16. Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you for what? That you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in my name, he may give to you. Jesus says, you didn't choose me. I chose you and I chose you for this purpose, that you would go and that you would bear fruit. That your life would testify to the fact that it would be visible that you are actually a disciple of Jesus Christ. We don't have time to turn there now, but Ephesians 2 verse 10 is is like a, 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 a succinct statement of this fact when Paul writes that we are we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Look at the terminology that Paul uses. We were created in Christ Jesus. Why? For good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. You were created to bring glory to God. And the way that you do that is by bearing fruit. The translation then is is what we're going to title these next couple of weeks. You were created to bear fruit. You were created to bear fruit. Jump back up to the beginning of this passage as we get a running start into really the the, the essence of what Jesus is communicating here. He, He sets the tone of an illustration. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. So there's, there's two characters in this first verse that, that are going to be communicated in this passage. The first one is the vine. The second is the vine dresser. Okay? Now, the vine that Jesus is, is picturing here would have been a vine that you would have found in, in a vineyard, which was really common in this area. Remember the end? Just draw your attention to the end of chapter 14. Jesus' final words are, rise, let us go from here. Rise, let us go from here. Now, where was Jesus? Jesus was in this upper room with his disciples. And at this point, they leave that room. Jesus says, get up, let's go. So they leave that room and they start walking to where we're ultimately going to find them in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus, as he so often does in his interaction with people, is he's, just, he's, he's walking and he's using the things around him as illustrations to drive home a point. Probably what's happening in this passage is is Jesus is is taking this path to the Garden of Gethsemane. There's all sorts of theories on what exactly Jesus was looking at, uh, different vineyards that would have been in place in that time. We don't really know exactly what Jesus was looking at, but probably had walked by a, a, a vineyard of sorts, a grape vine. 
And Jesus draws this picture for his disciples. He sees this, 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 this vine, this probably, probably being placed in a, in a vineyard, and he says, I am the vine. I am the vine. So, so you're picturing this, this vineyard, you're, you're, you're seeing this vine, you're seeing the grapes, you're seeing whatever is associated with this picture. He says, I am the vine. I want to throw a picture up for you guys just so you can grasp exactly what Jesus is talking about here. Um, in case you don't really have a picture of that in your mind, okay? On this, on this picture, you have a few things. When Jesus says, I am the vine, what he's referring to is, is this right here. It was, it was part of the vine that, that grew upwards, and then off of that vine, there were branches that hung off. The actual fruit of the vine was hanging on these, these branches that are hanging over the side. That's where the fruit grew. So Jesus, when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, he's saying, I, I, I am this source. I am the central vine. You are the branch that's hanging off of that. And the key understanding in the midst of this is that the branch needs the vine. We're going to get into that in detail in just a minute. But before Jesus even jumps into the details of this vine, he talks about his father. Not as any part of this picture, but as the vine dresser. The vine dresser was more or less what we would understand as like a gardener. It was the person who tended to the vines in the vineyards. But in what Jesus communicates in John chapter 15 is that God, the vine dresser, has two primary tasks. God has two primary tasks as the vine dresser. The first one is that God punishes. God punishes. He punishes, proverbially, the vine that doesn't produce fruit. Verse 2. Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, the vine dresser, God the Father, takes away. And Jesus is going to explain later what exactly is included in the taking away of a branch that doesn't produce fruit. But understand that it is fundamentally a punishment. So Jesus says that God, first as the vine dresser, is the punisher of the vine that does not produce good fruit. But second... He's also the, the, the one who prunes, the, the pruner of the vine. Jesus says, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Okay, so every vine that doesn't bear fruit, God will punish. Every vine that does bear fruit, God will prune. That, that, that term pruning is a term that's like it's, it's, it's the cutting back of something so that it will grow stronger. Cutting back of something so that it will, it will grow better and produce even more fruit. God, the father, the vine dresser, is the one that is tending to the vines. He's punishing those that don't bear fruit. He's pruning those that do. I want to be careful because... I don't want you to take this illustration too far. Understand that Christ is speaking highly illustratively here. And what he communicates about the vine dresser, God, is all that he wants his disciples to know about God. I think it's easy in a lot of parables and terminology where, where, where 
we're drawn to, to take in everything we may know about vine dressers, since you all know so much about vine dressers. We're, we're drawn to take in every connection that could be made, but Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus communicates what he wants us to know here. And that is that God as the vine dresser is the one who will punish those who don't bear fruit and prune those who do. All of this, though, is under the umbrella of Jesus in what he's about to drive home, which is the centrality of not the vine dresser, but the vine. What Jesus communicates in John 15 is centrally focused on the vine. What the vine dresser is going to do raises the importance of the vine. Because God the Father is going to punish those who don't bear fruit, and because he's going to prune those who do, then what follows is something you must, you must know. Jesus in verse 3 says, Already you are clean, or we could, we could maybe even insert, already you are, you are pruned because of the word that I have spoken to you. Jesus says that his words are purifying, they're they're pruning the branch even now. They're, They're cleaning it is the terminology that he uses. And then he brings in verse four, the necessary fruit that is to be in the life of every believer. He says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Jesus looks to his disciples and he says, if you want to bear fruit, if you don't want to be punished by the vine dresser, you must be connected to the vine. You must abide in the vine. If you are not abiding in the vine, you cannot produce fruit. And so the rest of this passage is going to center around that message. It's all going to center around bearing fruit. So as we break this down tonight and into next week, I want you to remember six reminders for bearing fruit. Six reminders for bearing fruit. Number one is that you need Jesus. You need Jesus. This is the first, perhaps the most important reminder for bearing fruit. To bear fruit, you need Jesus. Abide in me, verse 4, and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine and neither can you unless you abide in me. So remember the picture. Jesus is this vine and you are the branch that's hanging off of that vine. There are good branches. There are bad branches. Every branch that is good, every branch that bears good fruit is a branch that is abiding in Jesus. Now, before we go any further, it's important to note that the branches are not believers. 
It's easy to read this and think, okay, the branches are the believers, and that's not true. Because there's good branches and there's bad branches. There's, there's branches that bear fruit, and there's branches that don't, and they're going to be punished. The branch is not necessarily a believer. The branch is someone that is associated or connected or, or tying himself to Christ. And, and, and how we would probably describe this today, it would be the branch is someone who claims Christ. The branch is someone who claims Christ. The question then becomes, how do I know if a branch is good or if a branch is bad? And the answer that Jesus gives is that the branch that is good is the branch that abides in the vine. You know how, a, how you know if a branch is, is connected to, to, to the vine, if it's connected to the source of its growth? It's easy. Does it bear fruit? It's in my backyard this last week, and there's a, a large branch on the top of our, of, uh, halfway up one of our trees. And all of our trees right now are sprouting. If you look around, lots of trees are turning green right now. But there's this one branch in the midst of all these green branches that's, that's completely dead. The way that you tell that a branch is dead is whether or not it's giving off fruit. Whether or not it's, it's giving leaves amidst all the other branches that are giving leaves. If there's one branch that's not giving off leaves, the indication then is that branch is dead. That's the picture that Jesus is drawing here. That branch might as well be cut off because it's not, it's not receiving the life blood that the tree is giving off. It's, it's, it's a dead branch, so, so it must be cut off. For you to bear fruit, for you to be a healthy branch, for you to be one who ultimately here is glorifying to God, you must bear fruit. You cannot do that if you're not abiding in Jesus. It is impossible to bear fruit if you are not abiding in Jesus. You need Jesus to bear fruit. So, we have to ask the question, how do I abide in Jesus? How do I do that? If that is what produces good fruit in me, how then do I abide in Jesus? Well, the message that Jesus seems to have for his disciples in this passage is the way that we abide in him is by abiding in his words. Jesus just said in verse 3, you are already clean. Why? Because of the word that I have spoken to you. Jesus, the whole context of all of this communication is that Jesus is saying, these are the words that you need to remember. And his message for his disciples is abide in those words. Right? Like if I can just, just give you the, the essence of the lifeblood of, of, of abiding in Jesus, it's abiding in his words. We talked about this earlier in John chapter 14, keeping his commandments. He's going to circle back to that later in this passage. We're not going to get there tonight. But, but keeping his commandments, knowing his commandments. 
Heeding his word, knowing and learning his word is how we learn and know him. That's how he's revealed to us. In other words, you cannot bear good fruit apart from the word of God. You cannot do it. You need Jesus and he is revealed through the word. So, we're only going to get to this first point tonight. If you're, if, you're, if you're looking at yourself and you're saying, I don't know that I'm bearing the fruit that the Christian life is supposed to bear. I don't know that if you would look at me as a branch off of a vine, if you would say, that is a healthy branch. I'll just tell you what Jesus says. You need him. You need him. You must abide. You must, you must, you must, you must dwell with him. You must live always in light of him and what he has commanded, learning and knowing and growing in your relationship with him. He is central to growth. He is central to bearing fruit. Jesus, again, I don't want to draw this illustration out too far, but Jesus isn't like the fertilizer. They like, like sprinkle some Jesus on and it'll, it'll make you grow a little bit more. You need him. You're dead without him. You need Jesus for bearing fruit. Abide in him. And you will bear much fruit you see that in verse 5 I am the vine you are the branches whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears not a little he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing you can do nothing apart from him apart from him every branch though it may be clinging to the vine, is dead. So we're going to dismiss the small group with, with that thought in our mind, the necessity and the sufficiency of Jesus for bearing fruit.